Okay, so three, uh, there are three primary colors. Did you know that? Red, yellow, blue. Did you know that we have things in our eye that, that makes us identify red, yellow, and blue and mixes the colors together so that we can see whatever it is? I have no idea. Um, oh, how about this? There are seven letters in the alphabet when capitalized, only use three, three lines. A. Okay, Okay, so we have all kinds of things that come in threes, like be no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, things like that. We have a spiritual version. Oh, oh, how about this? Oh, I'll tell you. A, F, H, K, N, Y, Z. Because I don't do my Y that way. So, that's the wrong one I didn't agree with. Alright, how about a joke? Spell mousetrap in three letters. C, A, T. Cat. C, A, T. I forgot to do <laughs> well, we're just getting started, Vic. Did you know that an octopus has three hearts? I didn't either. How about that? Did you know that camels and cats have three eyelids? Three eyelids. Cats, two. Did you know in soccer and hockey, if you score three goals in one game, it's called a hat trick? And I wish I looked up why. I remember it from a long time ago. I looked up a long time ago. Anyway, we get three wishes when we rub the plant. We have the three little cakes. Are you guys not enjoying my shirt to three right now? It's wonderful. It's worth it today. We have the three Billy Goats drunk. We have the three speeches. Back to math, if you take a digit, a number, and you add all the, all the digits up, like 504, 504, if you add the numbers up, that equals 9. If that number is divisible by 3, so is the number that you're 504. My kids are definitely, there's a lot of examples. Um, okay, now we can talk spiritual. You know, we have the father. You can file all this under not useful information. Pretty much. <laughs> Fun fact. But well, tell me you did learn something. Did you know that octopus had three three hearts? No, did you know cats have three eyelids, which I've never seen them, but I believe it. Alright, so we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have faith, hope, and charity. Love. We have oh look, I'm supposed to be teaching Sunday school. Okay. I'll get there now. Um we have the promise, the seal of fulfillment. Yeah. We have grace, mercy, and peace. We have the scripture in Ecclesiastes that says a threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. We have the three temptations of Jesus. I have We have. Joshua and the nation of Israel had to wait how many days before crossing the Jordan River? Three. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. What else we've got? Oh, 
when Elijah declared over the land a drought. How long did the drought last? <laughs> oh, oh, Jonah and the big fish. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Another preacher. How about how long was Paul blinded for? Three days. God, are you so good? <laughs> In scripture, there's many mentions of the word three or third. There's the third part, like the third part of the earth did this or that, that comes out a lot out in Revelation. We have the third hour, we have the third day, and the third month. All of these are mentioned in scripture. In scripture. So the concept behind three or third is really based or stuck in, shall I say, Promise, Sila, and fulfillment. And if you look at all the threes that I mentioned, you can just about see that exact thing. So like Paul being blinded for three days. That third day, a major shift occurred in his life and in the entire earth, didn't it? So you talked that we've been talking a lot about transition. And so when you look at things that are like the third day, you can see that a transition happens of I'm going to say huge proportion, but something, something is a major shift. Biblical proportions, yeah. And so, you know, each one of those stories I just said, you can you can type in third day in your Bible program, and I'll pull these up. There's like 50-something scriptures that talk about third day in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the whole, you know, the whole concept of that is there's a transition that, that's occurring. And that's the whole embodiment of promise seal of fulfillment the whole thing is a transition you're given a promise you go through the seal of and then and then the fulfillment happens the whole thing transition now are some of them quicker than others obviously i mean the three days of of, of saul being blinded and becoming paul and all that that was three days like three little days but other places in scripture when it talks about three days you can relate that to a day like a thousand years. And you can, you can use that concept. And therefore, three days is a very long transition. And many people don't see, physically see the end, even if they're at the beginning. And so um, I felt, with the Lord's help, of course, that I was going to talk about the third day because. Many of us celebrate this as the third day that Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, however you would like to term it. So I thought it would just be kind of cool to look at some other, or some very specific examples of third day. And so, again, not the group. So on your scripture sheet, you should have the first occurrence in the Old Testament and the last occurrence in the Old Testament. On the flip side, same thing in the New Testament. Did I do that right? Yes. That's so right. I know, it's kind of rushed this morning, so I wasn't sure. So in Genesis 1, 9 through 13, we have the third day of creation. And we don't know, I guess, the exact how many hours the day was way back then, but we can say it's the evening, morning, third day. Okay, so here we go. So what happened on 
the third day of creation. So, Vicki, would you mind reading that? And Sierra, I think I turned these mics on. I did. Keep going, Sierra. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathered together of the waters called him seas. And God saw that it was good, or told. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, but herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, or told, in the evening and the morning of the third day. Now, I don't know how many times you all read this. I mean, you know, but ingrained in you from, for me, and catechism, even, learning all this stuff about what happened on the third day. Well, one of the things I did find interesting was it did say that God created trees and the grass. What is it that everything came forth from your thumb? See, that's what it seems. I could be misinterpreting and correcting someone if you see it differently. But it didn't say that he made the grass. And I'm not trying to be picky. It didn't say that he made the fruit. It didn't say that he made the trees. But it did say all the seed is going to be, is here, and that's, the earth is going to bring it forth. Not far. Well, that's kind of cool because I never saw that. Maybe you all had already seen that here. Smart at me. Kim. Kim's always smart at me. And so, and so, you think about the third day, you think about, if you're, if you're, we're still in that promised seal and fulfillment, and you think about the seed which God planted within us, right? Those prophetic words that He presents. And you Go, I mean, you can jump all around. Go to the, the parable of the seed that, that Jesus spoke. And you, you just, you can see transition written all over it. Transition that God wants us to have is that the seed comes forth and bears fruit, right? It's, it gets, it's rooted deep down and all, you know, we're firm, we're standing there. But there is the opposite transitions that occur, or not so nice ones, where you go along for a little while, and then you stop transitioning to where God is trying to send you, and you transition to wherever you want to go, or the enemy send you, as the parable of the sower says, defines, and shows us. So I thought that this was just a very interesting thought concept for me about this is what the third day was in creation, and it's bringing forth seed, and the third day, as of today, is bringing forth life. This made it to me an interesting life. Okay, and that's kind of all I had to say about that. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, when I read this, it just seems that everything that came forth that was seed or whatever, I mean, that was the land, the trees, the shrubs, all of that came forth from seed and not God created. Not God created the prophecy. You have to give that to It's the prophecy of the microphone. It's like God. It's like God was putting, declaring a process to come forth. Yep. A pattern. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and so that just makes me want to go back, which I didn't have time to, 
and look at how the whole earth was created and see the process that God, the pattern that God was giving us even from the beginning in Genesis about how we become who we are as sons. You know, he said, let there be light. Really, for me, some of you started off on all this and maybe didn't see the light of God like I did because I didn't understand who God was until I was older. But it's like, let, let there be light. Like, whoop, oh my goodness. And then you start recognizing there's between light and darkness. On and on it goes. So go back and read Genesis 1 and look at it from the standpoint of how it calls us to be where we are. God laid the pattern down even in the very beginning. So, okay. I think that's all I want to say about that. I'm already on page three. All right, so the last occurrence of the Old Testament was in Hosea, and this scripture should be familiar because we read Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 last week because there was part of the teaching on the latter and the former reigns, but the latter reign is what I was talking about. And, um, you know, we, we discussed or, or shared or understood with each other that the former reign, many people believe that that we have been in, but that, you know, the Father has brought forth many, you know, the glory shining, but the latter rain is when there's going to be a phenomenal outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord. And so when you read the scripture, which we're about to do, let's see what we see about the third day here. So, oh, excuse me, I was I don't care who has a microphone. Jocelyn, read it. <laughs> I was a little bit of a difficult laugh there. Sorry, you know. Okay, go. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he had torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. And the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know that we follow on to know the Lord, whose going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us in the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. So, like I was saying last week too, there's so many prophetic words in the Old Testament that apply to the day. I mean, it just seems like, you know, like I said, some people want to just, we, we don't, we're to the New Testament church, we don't need the Old Testament. Well, meaning you keep seeing things in the Old Testament and prophetic words that have come to pass or are going to come to pass or come to pass and are going to come to pass again, whatever you want to say. And Hosea, like I said last week, is probably one of those. So, you know, come and let us return unto the Lord, and that word Lord is Jehovah. For he has torn and he will heal us, he has smitten and he will bind us up. So then in verse 2 it says, after two days will he revive us. And that's just you know, to bring to life, to have life. And then it says, in the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Now, I know some people, I guess Bible scholars, whatever, believe this is talking about the 3,000 years, because a day is a thousand years, so the first millennial, the second millennial, and now we're in the third millennial. Some of you haven't heard that, because people look at me funny. Have you heard that? Look at that. Who they like? Okay, that's one paying attention. So, when you look at it, if you want to look at it that direction, you could see that if we're in the third thousand year, then 
this is the year of the, the, the rising, raising us up that we will live and in his sight, right before his face. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I do find it interesting that in the third day, there is a transition that occurs. So there's all kinds of things that are happening leading up to the third day because you know, there's going to be a tearing and a healing and a spitting and a finding us up and okay and Al is the sound positive, right? Um, and, and to the point that he has to revive us on day two. But then on day three, on day three though, something shifts. Something goes from one place to another. We're, we're here, but now we're over here where he's going to raise us up. That's the word kum. And he will, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. And that word live is the same as the word revive. It means we're going to have life, and we're going to be before his face. Because in his sight is panim, right? Okay. I'm so glad some of you are following along with your Bible program. And so I thought that was, I mean, again, third day. If I, you, and I, I could only choose four, because 50 would be too many for us to go through. But if you look at third day throughout scripture, you'll see that there is a transition that has come or is, is coming when, when it's the third day. And just like in Genesis where there's seed and light is being brought forth, it's the same, same concept when you continue to look at third day. And so, go ahead, somebody said, hmm. No, okay, okay, um, in verse 3 it says, Then shall we know, that's the word yada, to follow, then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord. It's an interesting way they've worded it. But in the Hebrew it's yada, radaf, yada. So it's, it's almost like a, a challenging, but also another threefold progression. So you know, are you going to follow up? Because the word we follow is to be behind or to follow after, just like it sounds, and then to know. So you know, are you going to follow him so you can know? So another threefold um, event that occurs. And of course, Lord is Jehovah again. And then it, it starts another thought, but we put you know two colons because I don't know Hebrew punctuation that well. His going forth is prepared at the morning. Well, unless the sun dies, we know that morning is going to come every 24 hours. My morning is here, but somewhere else it's not morning, it's the middle of the night, doesn't matter, morning still comes every 24 hours. It's a given. It's, it's a firm thing that definitely occurs. And the concept of his going forth is prepared at the morning. So his going forth is a very interesting word, going forth, I mean. And I did not write down what the word was, but if you guys have your Bible programs and you look it up, the word means the egress or the exit. Okay. But it also talks about a source that you are going forth in. And I, I don't think I quite said it the right way. I should probably look up on my Bible program. But the interesting part, too, really, is that the going forth is something that is firm, that is stable, 
that it's going to stand up perpendicular to the wherever to the earth and in other words it's going to be so there's no doubt that god jehovah plans and works of god are going to go forth and they are going to be and there's there's nothing to there's there's no doubt in just that little snippet of scripture his going forth is prepared is firm is stable as the morning we know that we can just in our eyesight we know the morning will come does that kind of make sense you guys a little bit so i just thought that was again something very interesting that's happening as we finish or transition to the third day according to the scripture this is the stuff that's happening right after that I think the big thing there too is it's not just like the earth it's not just like plants we know will come up it's not just like the sun coming up it's for saints and people who are trusting God and believing in God it's knowing that even though we don't understand we don't know things he is coming with that knowledge he is coming with what we need he is going to be there for everything we need we don't need to leave with anything but clothes on our back to be sustained just as the you know the flowers in the field <laughs> right so i mean it's to me it's just like a reiteration of that you got on the other side right <laughs> and then you know it, it finishes sorry anybody else and then it, it finishes this whole this whole verse three and he shall come unto us as in the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth, and we, we just talked about the latter and the former rain and all that. But do you see in verse three that there's three distinct sections? Once again, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter former rain unto the earth. Promise, seal up, fulfillment. And pretty darn neat. Just like it. And you know, when you start thinking, you start thinking, when you're starting to study something like this, you start thinking about the breeze and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you start looking at really staying in the promised seal of fulfillment and you're like, I get it. I get how God, how, how God is saying from Genesis all the way to Revelation that if He is so consistent, He's so threefold minded and fivefold minded and sevenfold minded. <laughs> all of these things and he doesn't change. So I don't know how and I don't know if there's a lot of people out there that say this, but I don't know how anybody can look at the Bible and go, it's just a bunch of stories. And it's or it's just it's just a nice it's just a nice book. And how people say that the Bible's not real. Because how can this many writers follow this kind of pattern? From Genesis to Revelation, how can how can that be? Everyone in this room knows how Well, we know how, yeah. But I mean, that's just that kind of just blows me away. That's obviously means God wrote the book. Right, <laughs> Okay. So you know the other thing with Hosea too, and and, and with all the stuff that we're talking about, the timing of the Lord. There is a timing to everything that's going on. If it's a third day, that means there was a first and a second. There's always a timing and a process that we go through. So, okay. Yes, Gail. Gail has something to say. 
Here comes the microphone. Jocelyn, the keeper of the microphone. And just from last um, Sunday, learning about um, the former rain was really the teacher. And the latter rain was like a rebirth. You know, if you look at the, the definition of the word um, former rain, there's teacher in there. And if you look at the one that says latter rain, there's spring, which is rejuvenation. Right, what like okay. cool. cool. Um, okay, so look at your. Hey, you learn normally Robert needs it all the time, but we are still working on stuff, so we're good. All right, so now we're going to look at the New Testament. The first third day of the New Testament. Uh-oh. What happened? Did you mute me? Yep. Sorry. It's the handheld, and I don't know which one we're using because it's the left and the right. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. And it's still okay. You don't have to mute it. I know you're busy over there, Sierra. All right, so did I just write the first? Third day New Testament. Okay, because on mine that I have another note. So, so you could read Matthew 16 and go into verse, and then go into chapter 17 to get a real flavor of all of what is happening here. But we know this is Jesus, right? He's 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 talking to his disciples. If I used red letters, you would know it's Jesus speaking. But here's the interesting part, and this is this is this is before. The crucifixion. This is before, you know, the, him coming, raising from the dead. But he's trying to explain to his disciples, the ones, you know, the in part of the inner circle, and then he goes even more inner inner circle, right? When there was Peter and John and James. I'm sorry, Peter, John, and James that were involved in the really inner inner circle sometimes, right? Look at Larry. He's like, what? Huh? <laughs> sorry, Larry. Um, and so what happens here, and this is something that is a good lesson for us too, is that even Peter, because right above this, he he him and him and Jesus, him Jesus, him and Jesus are talking, oh my god, in a conversation about who Peter believed Jesus to be. And and then, you know, Jesus correct I mean Peter correctly responds. And Jesus responds with, on this rock, I will build my church. And in the church that's called Catholicism, the Catholic church, they believe that, and here's where, here's where things just go awry, right off the bat. They believe in the Catholic church, or at least I was taught, that the church, the Catholic church is built upon a man. And that man is the Pope. And so that's how I was taught. And it's like, Okay, so I look at this again, and you know, there's all kinds of other teachings about this. You know, when he said this, he was next to this kind of a rock, and he was right over there behind him. Look at this from, you know, the standpoint of what did Jesus, what did Peter declare to Jesus? That he is the Son of God, right? He clearly stated that. He was clearly stating that there is sonship involved in your relationship with the Father. I mean, that's that's what he was saying. And then another other thing after that too is Jesus was talking about he's going to have the keys, or grab the keys from the gates of hell. So part of our walk as a son is to combat, defeat the gates of hell. So there was some sonship 
information being passed back and forth right above this scripture where Jesus is revealing some very important information about what is to come. And so it might seem like it's coming out of the blue, I don't know, but I've I got to think, maybe Jesus thought, look, I told him this stuff, look, Peter understands who I am, I'm going to tell him this, it's going to be great. And so he speaks to him in Matthew 16, 21 through 23, he says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, that whole sentence to me is a transition. There is a transition that Jesus is defining and he's trying to get all of, all of the people with him. We'll just say his 12 disciples to come alongside, to understand and partner and walk with him. Now we know everyone had different reactions. We get that. And what Jesus, Jesus' intention is, or God's intention is for everyone to stick with Jesus all the way through to the end. But does that happen? It does not. And even before he gets to the, the worst part of all of the suffering, you know, we have Judas that said, okay, um, got your plan, but don't I mean, I understand what you're saying, but we can get there from here going this way and not that way. Now, I don't want anybody to raise your hand, but how many of you have done that? I know how to get there. I know we're going to go this way. We don't have to go that way because this way there's less suffering. I make a little money. It all works out okay. That way, just mm, no, it doesn't look good. It's not a nice path. And, you know, I'm just here to say, get over it. We have to take the path that God directs, right? So, verse 22, here's Peter. God said, I mean, Jesus has said all these really cool things about Peter, and now he says, took him aside and began to rebuke him. I mean, come on. Okay, I can do it. And he said, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now, with, when you look at the next verse, you're thinking that Jesus is directly addressing Peter. He turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Microphone to Adrian. He has something good to say. It just struck me when Peter said, be it far from thee. This was that hath God not said. Because Jesus has already declared, I only do what I see my father doing. So to say, well, this isn't going to happen to you, which is why he turned around and Satan get behind me, because it's that same concept. Mm -hmm. So really, Jesus is addressing the influence of Satan upon Peter and not Peter. I'm shaking a finger at Peter. Okay, there's turn. <laughs> well, this is the same temptation that uh, Satan pulled out Jesus in the wilderness. Look at these kingdoms of glory. If you bow down to me, I'll give it to you. It's a shortcut. You don't have to go straight. You can get around this whole thing and be done with it. And this is what Peter was echoing. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the words of the enemy. Yeah, exactly. 
And so there's this, there's, this was a very, this was a very interesting moment in time. And, and, and all Jesus was doing is sharing with what he, the people that he believed were the closest to him and understood who he was and what his mission is. That, and that's what he was doing. And then to have like the head honcho of a group say, no, 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 do it this way. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. But as sons, oh, go ahead, there, you've got a bunch of my phone, wait for her talk. And that's cool, you know, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but what I'm thinking is that, you know, Jesus shared this so that they, this was going to be something they reflected back on and said, didn't he predict, didn't he, didn't he try to tell us this? Wasn't this what he was trying to tell us back, you know, in, in the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously God knew their reactions were going to be what they were, but it, you know, it's sharing this. It's like the truth was put forth by one, by his, by one of those that have been closest to him. And so that opened the door for him to go ahead and lay down, go ahead and lay down the foundation of what was going to happen. Didn't matter how they were going to react and respond, because in the fulfillment of it all, they were going to be able to look back and say, mm, this is what he was talking about. Mm. And it really gave Peter a better stance to then be the one who stood up on Pentecost and share with whoever was gathered and say, this is this is a God. This is what happened. This is what was, you know, was this is why he was crucified. And so and that that pricked their hearts. That was what touched their ma'a, which is what God was looking to do from the beginning point. You know? And look, you can see how it's gonna happen because God is the plans and purposes of God are going forth into the earth just like the great Hosea. It's gonna happen. And so, you know, the whole the whole thing is a, is a little bit on a crazy side, but also a reminder for us, right? We are receiving fresh revelation from the Lord all the time. I, I believe that in all of you. If you're not, I'm declaring that over all of you, that there will be fresh revelation from God all the time. As it's it's just gonna be there. But even that in this in this Matthew 16, look what happened to Peter. Because he didn't like something. Whether his emotions took over, or he thought he was all bad in a bag of chips, whatever it was, he, he reacted in this fashion. And who did he partner with? He partnered with the enemy. Because why? The enemy did not, did not want the church to be constructed. He did not want it to be built. He did not want it to come forth. Just like the enemy doesn't want you to be built. He doesn't want you to come forth as a son and stand in the authority and power that God gives his sons. The process. Yes, the process. I think Peter had a problem accepting the identity, understanding the identity that Jesus was trying to form, trying to sow into him. And he kept going back to his own version of what his identity. He thought he, I, I think he thought really that he was there to protect Jesus. And that's evident by what he did in the garden. Yep. You know, he was always 
who was always the one who was jumping, jumping out and taking a firm stance and not thinking about it because he was just thinking about, I've got to protect this situation. I'm here to protect him. And not thinking that if God put him there to do this situation, to do accomplish this mission, he was going to provide a path for him to do it. It didn't really matter what you saw going on around you. Isn't that interesting to what's going on today and all of this, um, I'm a girl, I'm a boy, I'm not either, I'm black, I'm white, you shouldn't hold that against me, but give me, I'm this, I'm, you can identify as anything nowadays, and it's supposed to be accepted. And it's interesting that that's what the enemy is pushing forth right now is identity crisis or identity identification. Okay, anyway, I mean it's just, and here we're we're reading way back in the way back in time, two thousand years ago or however many people want years people want to say this. Here's a guy, a, a simple man, right? He wasn't any scholar. You know, Paul at least had all this bringing up in the church and understanding everything in the Old Testament, Peter's just, just what a fishing guy? Just hanging out? I mean, he, and he has an identity crisis, so to speak, and right, Jesus is speaking to that. And, and he's speaking that to all of us. There, this, this concept of sonship, this concept of who you are, it, it can't, it, it's, not, it's not supposed to waver. It's supposed to be just like the morning. We know the morning's coming, but you know what? You're a son, and that's what's coming. Isn't that what ends up being the downfall so often? People that even understand sonship and are taken on it. It's because they are hanging on, and we may even have to fight it in the midst of this, but we have to overcome it. You know, they're hanging on to this expectation of what their identity should be, or what their title, or what their capacity should be, and what it should be accepted. And it's like, well, why is this the guy that gets to, I mean, God's giving me things. Why can't I you know, right. share the same stuff? Yeah, That's jump right. back to the Old Testament with Moses, Eric, she, she was a, and what's her name? Miriam? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. But I was going to say this. It, it's, I'm proud that everybody's talking about that stuff <laughs> and, and saying, hey, I'm a girl, I'm a guy, and I'm, a, and I'm the opposite of that. You know, I'm identified as this. I'm, I'm prejudiced with this. I'm, oh, I'm offended. I'm, you know why? It gets me so excited. So they are so trying to find their identity. They're trying to seek it. And before, it was all hidden and don't bother me. We don't really need to pay attention to that because I'm going to try and scoot by here. But they don't know that they're really exposing themselves, not only to evil, but to us. Because <laughs> when God does his move, it's going to be like just fluff sitting on the ground we're just gonna go look at this look at that you don't see god well, let me show you there it is yeah it's gonna be very evident so i don't know how peter exactly reacted to this but um he might have had a little chip on his shoulder as he kept walking through life the rest of us you know but you know i'm okay i'm gonna make up for it i'm gonna i'm gonna go do this and i'm gonna cut the ear off there and i'm gonna go there and wait and i'm kind of had a little up and down part because um, what happens to us affects us as we walk unless we deal with it on a God basis. We can't deal with it on our own basis. Like my own heart says, it can't be that way. It has to be what is God's heart saying. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. going to mess up. We're not perfect. God can say this stuff all the time. But hit yourself in the head doesn't solve a thing. 
Well, he doesn't. God's got it. God's got to give you the wisdom, the understanding, the direction, the life, the purpose. It has to all come from there. I, I don't know how, again, how Peter exactly reacted, but we know he kept on trucking, okay? And that's what we do, because we're sons, just like it's going to be a morning, we are the sons of God, and we're going to act like that. So I was looking a little bit more at the, at the what Jesus said to the enemy, and you know, he's telling Satan to get behind him, um, and he, then he said something, he said that you're, you're an offense to me, and that word offense is, is that word that's like a, a snaring that occurs. And I can't believe that it even came across to Jesus that that would be even something that really happens to him. But he still stated it anyways, once again, laying down a pattern for us to follow and to understand. Sometimes things are going to happen. The enemy's going to try to influence us to agree with him instead of agreeing with, with the Father. And in that, he's going to try to trip us up. He's going to put us, get us trapped so that we begin to go down the wrong transitional road. And we, it might be not as in your face as other times, but it also can be minor. So that's okay. I mean, it can be seen so little, a little deviation. Well, and it, it kind of goes back to where we are right now with like this whole fear that's come up this last year. You know, it doesn't, overall, it doesn't seem like a big thing. Oh, you know, just just do this and everyone will be okay. Just do this and everyone will be okay. And yet you can see how it's eroded people's confidence in being able to live their own life and, and think for themselves. You know, instead, they're looking to you know, what the, the government's saying or what their governor's saying or what the restrictions are and they're, they're looking at that and saying, well, that's what we need to follow and no one's taking the time to go, well, what's really going on? And you can, it just, it's just amazing to me. I mean, and people are still, um, with this vaccine, you know, people aren't taking the time to look into it and go, what is this really? It's, you know, and that's just because what? Fear. It's, it was something small, but because it was blown out of proportion, rather than look at, you know, take a step back and try and look at what's really going on, people bought, you know, quickly bought into it, and all of a sudden we've got these things going on, and, and people doing stuff, you know, jumping over the cliff, per se, without really taking a step back and looking at the big picture and going, uh, is this necessary? Is this really anything I want to commit to? That's and I think that that's that's where it's it's minute. That's where we you know we've got to be careful ourselves that we before we partner with what our emotions want to do, we take a step back. And go, okay, God, what do we do? Yeah, what do we need to do? Right, right. And that might be different from person to person. Go ahead. And I'm not disagreeing with it when you said, but I'm going to run a little different track of the same thing. Who would different multiple? Go. Well, God is a living God. And part of Peter's lack of understanding for this new identity that Jesus was trying to introduce a partnership and such a, was the living part. He didn't, they're not used to God being the living God and participating on a moment by moment basis. And I really think, I don't expect anyone to make a decision like you're talking about really in the world we end, 
<laughs> because they don't have, they need the relationship to be able to do it. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, it's because fear. <laughs> because because fear wants to come in. You have to overcome that fear of whatever, whether it's a virus, whether it's the next. Uh, it can be who knows what it can be. Next plague. I mean, really. No, I'm saying that fear should be an opportunity. Of course, and in the process, right? What you're saying, the process. She wants you to say something no, spiritual. No, no, no. So, so really, in a way, and I don't like to say it this way, but it's true. Peter was inspired by Satan to stand against what God was trying to build, and our inspiration can sound so corny and cheesy. Must come from the Lord. Where is? Where's Tobias when I need him? <laughs> we were driving down the road yesterday. He went with me. Where did he go with me to? He went to ride with me on the way in the truck. Oh. Yeah. And we were driving down the road and the light was shining through the, the sun. Some people were shining through the clouds, rolling the clouds. And he's like, look, Jesus is coming back. And then he started going, oh, my God. And then he did it again. And then he goes, I love kids. Yeah, does the Bible tell us when Jesus is coming back? I mean, does it say exactly the time when he's coming back? Because I would like to see him. <laughs> like, well, Tobias, you will definitely see him when you go to heaven. Well, maybe you'll be here when he comes back. He's going to come back with a whole bunch of angels. <laughs> okay. Oh, and he went back to singing to the clouds so that Jesus will return. <laughs> Kids are so funny. <laughs> And adorable. Okay, let's get back to Satan, shall we? Um, that was a terrible transition. Um, so the other thing that Jesus mentions about about Peter getting behind him and the offense thing is we, we mentioned about the savoring. You know, you savor not the things that be of God. And it doesn't mean that it tastes good, because sometimes I think of something that's that's savory as being tasting good. Jocelyn more so than me, I like sweet, she likes to savor. But anyway, that's a whole other story for another time. But when you're talking about savoring, you're talking about, uh, if you read the word, you're talking about that exercising of the mind, or entertaining your mind, or something that interests your mind. And so that's where uh, yeah, your mind is. It's not on what God's doing at that moment. It appeared that Peter's mind was elsewhere. Uh, the world, it says, because of you know, the things of men. And again, this is back to, and, and I don't know if you guys heard my voice in teaching, but this is back to some looking at Balaam and Balak and how they went through Balak, you will curse Israel, and Balaam said, okay, and he went there and he couldn't say anything wrong. He could only say blessings, etc. But the third time that happened, he finally realized, and actually sent a messenger to Balak that said, I can't do this anymore. I can't curse Israel. I can't curse the sons of God. I can only speak blessings over them because my own mind can't come up with things that are good or bad. I have to follow what God is saying. And that's that's exactly what's happening that's happening here with Peter, or he's happening with Peter. His mind needs to be exercised on the things of us, not on the things on the earth or below. So, okay. What's my last one? 
First Corinthians, we're just going to read this because we're out of time. Okay, so. All right. First Corinthians 15, I'm going to tell you right now, has that infamous scripture in it that says that we must die daily. So there's a recognition of that concept in this chapter. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you have by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is a great preaching scripture for Easter Sunday. And that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen, after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are fallen asleep. Wow. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of, of a due time, out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it's I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. I mean, that's that's a mouthful of a house, but this is this Paul that, that's, that wrote this and is speaking these words for. But he recognized that on the third day a transition occurred, and that it was all already written down. It was already written that this was going to happen. He's writing it and saying, according to scriptures, he's not talking about according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> not what he's, he's saying this has already been written. It's already been spoken. It's already written down somewhere. And there was this transition that happened. And then he talks about it, his own transition. But he's also talking about the transition of the church. He kind of lays out how things were built. First to this person, then to this group of people, then to that person, then to this, then to this, and all of us, all of this because of the gospel, the good news that has been spoken of, that has been shared from person to person amongst everyone, amongst the brethren. Another somewhat long transition, but still a transition nevertheless because I know we believe in everlasting life. We believe that Jesus is, was, is, will be the Son of God. And he's sitting at the right hand of the throne, interceding on our behalf. And we are also at the right hand of the throne, interceding with Jesus on behalf of the kingdom of God. Not on behalf of poor St. John, but on behalf of the kingdom of God in poor St. John. Not on behalf of Florida, the United States, France, Brazil, any of those places. But on behalf of the kingdom of God, that's the... That's the unity of the church, with the kingdom of God. I 
Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. The, uh, during the entire time of having this lesson, one of the things that you're popping in here, how many people remember the last big scene in the Passion of Christ? Oh, not us. Yeah. Yeah. It was a picture of the Satan kneeling on the ground screaming because he realized that he had messed up. <laughs> he pushed everything he had to destroy Jesus, to thwart God's plan. And then he realized that God took me for a ride. Like right in the yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so since that time, you can see a lot of stuff going on in the world of Satan is yeah, not drugs for American cities coming all over the world. Mm -hmm. exactly. But he still hasn't realized. You know, he should know the Bible quite well. And the very ending is he didn't win anything. Exactly. He doesn't But that's what stuck in my head. Him screaming because he is good. Amen and I tell you, he thinks he, he. I think he thinks he still can defeat what what God's put in place, and so that's where we come in. So we're in a way, obviously, I say this: we're just like Jesus. I mean, we're going to go through suffering. It's not going to be easy. It's going to continue not be easy. But we are His sons, and we maintain what Jesus started. We continue, pass it on, finish. We're going to finish the race. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Thank you very much.